0: pittsburgh steeler fans what's going on this is chep hartman senior editor of the with you for another episode of let's ride your monday wednesday and friday morning podcast folks it is here folks it is time this is finally the week it is monday Happy Monday, hope you had a great weekend, but it is finally time for the NFL Draft to be here. I I can't stress enough how excited I am to stop with the speculation, to stop with the rumors, stop with the reports, and of, of all, stop with the mock drafts. We all do them, we all enjoy them from time to time, but my goodness, it is just overload right now. And I'm glad that you're along for the ride. It's going to be a crazy week. To give you an idea as to what's coming up, my Monday and Wednesday shows are going to be standard operating procedure. Today, have a great Monday morning conversation coming up with Tom Reed. I'll explain that in a little bit. Uh, On Wednesday, we're going to have the mailbag, as we always do in the second half. But Friday's show is going to be really special because I'm going to be breaking down who the Steelers ended up picking, or should I say, what they ended up doing. Because maybe they trade out of the first round and they don't even have a pick on Thursday. I don't know. That could happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but it could. I'm going to do. I'm gonna be dealing with all of that on Friday morning show. And then I'll be back on Monday. I'm trying to find someone that would be a great person to wrap everything up. Uh, I've got an idea. We'll see. We'll see if it can pan out. In terms of really analyzing the NFL draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's seven picks that they have right now. It's going to be exciting. I hope you're as excited as I am. We do have some changes in the schedule coming up as as it pertains to our podcast platform. Shows that would usually be Thursday night, like the Steelers preview with myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis. Well, that's going to turn into the recap show after the Steelers make their selection. Also, on Friday, um, there, there's going to be a slight mix up there as well in terms of how we handle our PM shows. We're going to have recaps all weekend of the picks we're going to have daily recaps it's going to be exciting it's going to be fast and furious at times especially on saturday where rounds three through seven happen. But I hope that you're on board with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, both BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, the website, which will have a plethora of information, as well as our podcast network, which will have so many shows from different people. It's not just going to be all me. It's not going to be all Dave Schofield, not going to be all Brian Anthony Davis. We're going to have people like Matty Peveril, Andrew Wilbar, Jeremy Betts, um, maybe even the guys from what Yin's Talking About, chiming in and getting their take on the picks that were made almost as they're happening. So I hope that you are following us on all of our platforms. We know the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, wherever you get your podcasts or Steelers, or BehindTheSteelCurtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. Okay, so what's new since the last time we spoke on Friday last week? Well, Friday evening happened, and what I mean by that is the Steelers re-signed Terrell Edmonds. Now, this has not been made official yet, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. But I I, I kind of wanted to stem everything uh, about this podcast around that signing. And once I saw that news break, I thought to myself, wow, the Steelers are tying up their loose ends before the draft. And that's the headline and the title of this podcast is they are tying up their loose ends before this NFL draft kicks off this Thursday. But before we start talking about Edmonds, I mean, th- these loose ends have been Getting tied up, as we want to call it, and for the last few days, it hasn't just been the Friday move of bringing back Edmonds. Uh, we're going to talk about three different scenarios, in my opinion. That two of the three are all tied up at this point. One still kind of uncertain, and it's a big uncertainty. But we'll get to that. Well, let's not let's not beat around the bush. Let's talk about Terrell Edmonds because Terrell Edmonds had been sitting there like Tyron Matthew, other safeties or other safeties still on the market, and for some reason. For some reason, and I'm not sure what that reason is, and, unless, and he did have other suitors, by the way. For people out there thinking no one else wanted Edmonds, and so he decides to go back to Pittsburgh. Not according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. According to Jeremy Fowler, he said that two teams, in particular the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals, were both interested in Edmonds, but for, again, some reason, he chose to return to Pittsburgh. So when I see this, I'm thinking, great this is awesome. I've spoken about this for weeks now where I was just happy that they finally made a decision. They finally made a move. I didn't care who it was, whether it was the Honey Badger, whether it was Edmonds. I honestly did not care. Just get the move done, and they did. And then I'm starting to see some of these details come through. Okay, one-year deal. All right, this is kind of like that Juju Smith-Schuster area going into 2021 where he was brought back for one year. He's going to prepare himself to hit free agency again, hopefully play extremely well, get himself a long-term contract somewhere else. Didn't pan out for Juju that way. He got hurt, and then he ended up having to sign with the Chiefs in a very team-friendly for the Kansas City Chiefs deal, laden with incentives. But then I see the number amount. Terrell Edmonds agreed to a one-year, $2.5 million contract to come back to Pittsburgh. I'll say that again. It's being reported. One year, $2.5 million. This is a first-round draft pick. In case you didn't know, if the Steelers would have decided to pick up Terrell Edmonds' fifth-year option, it would have cost them roughly $6 million. $6 million. So by letting Edmonds sit on the open market, test the waters, he ends up coming back. They get, in my opinion, a, a really good, not great, but a really good safety that's serviceable, that is durable, and already has a relationship with Minka Fitzpatrick at a fraction of the cost. Now, there might be some that think, oh, well, shoot, I was kind of hoping the Steelers would draft a safety. If th- This does not mean the team ignores safety in this upcoming draft. Now, are they going to go safety round one? I don't think so. Could they? Wouldn't be shocked. But I don't think they go safety early in the draft. I think they do draft a safety at some point. And when you think about it, this is almost the same exact scenario as when Terrell Edmonds was drafted back in 2018. When you think about it, Morgan Burnett had just been signed as a free agent. They draft Edmonds. They're thinking, okay, he's going to get a year to kind of learn the system, play special teams. Now, that didn't happen. Morgan Burnett had a injury riddled season, only season he spent in Pittsburgh, Edmonds gets thrust into the starting lineup much earlier than anyone would have expected, and then he just continued on that path for the rest of his time with the team, especially in his rookie contract. Now, the hope is that Edmonds doesn't follow the the Burnett route and get injured and and be dealing with injuries, especially when he's been so durable throughout his first four years in the league. But if they draft a, a safety, this would give that safety a chance to get acclimated to the Steelers' system get acclimated to playing with Minka Fitzpatrick, figuring out what they like to see. It would be a good bridge player. Everyone wants to talk about Mitch Trubisky as the bridge guy for the next quarterback. If you're going to use that terminology, that's fine. This would be a good scenario. Could they also bring Edmonds back after this one season? Absolutely they could. Depends on what they do in the draft. If they don't draft a safety, then there's a chance that they might leave the door open to bring Edmonds back. But as of now, a one-year $2.5 million contract. What a move. What a great move. I was really excited, really happy, happy that the speculation's over with, but also happy that they were just tying up that loose end. I talked about last week how glaring that hole was, glaring that vacancy was on their roster at the safety positions. Man, they just have to get this thing secured, and they do that. They do it the Friday before the NFL draft. Now, another move that I didn't really talk about a lot, and I guess maybe i Maybe it was just, in hindsight, it was just an oversight on my part, but it was Miles Boykin being claimed off of waivers by the Steelers. So the Steelers claim Miles Boykin, former third-round draft pick out of Notre Dame by the Baltimore Ravens, never really panned out with Baltimore, was hurt a lot, uh, but still, a lot of people just kind of brush this under the rug. Man, It is what it is. It's just the Miles Boykin's Miles Boykin. He's not really going to contribute too much. I look at this and see that this is a guy that's going to make the team, and for the one reason, if, if just for one reason alone, why I would go out on a huge and honestly, it's not even that it's not, not even that great of a limb. I'd go out and say that I would almost guarantee that Miles Boykin makes the team because he is a special teams willing player. We know that Mike Tomlin values players that are willing to play special teams. Miles Boykin is a veteran who does not mind playing special teams. Said this last week, I'll say it again, this signing does not remind me of a Jericho Cottrey type, it reminds me of a Darius Hayward Bay signing. A guy that is not afraid to say, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You want me to block punts, I'll block punts. You want me to be on the field goal block team, I'll do it. Be a gunner, absolutely. You want me to block, I'll block. I'm 6'4", 220, I can block. I came. He came from Baltimore. The team that runs the ball more than anyone else in the National Football League. All of these reasons. And and let's also not forget that he is a big body. When he's healthy, he has shown to be able to make some plays. He hasn't been healthy a lot. Keep that in mind. He knows Chase Claypool. They were college teammates at Notre Dame. I like the signing. I like the pickup. It wasn't even a signing. It was just they they picked him up off waivers. It's a really low risk. Uh, It's a low risk, high reward transaction. The Steelers have been known to do this in the past few years. This is just the latest one. And again, this does not mean that the team is going to ignore wide receiver in the draft. That doesn't mean that. They absolutely are going to be looking to add wide receiver in this draft. I would think that on day two, they're probably going to address the wide receiver position Maybe even day one. Again, we don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know how the board's going to shake out, but I could see them even taking a wide receiver early. I look at this signing, and again, another loose end that was kind of tight. We always said it. I said it. Other people on our podcast network said it. If there were two positions the Steelers needed to address before the draft, safety, check that box off. With the Edmonds signing, a veteran receiver, check that box off with Miles Boykin. And then there's that one final loose end i did say before i started this that there were two out of three there were two out of three that were tied up and there was one loose end that remains untied if we're still using the analogy and that's step on to it so step on to it there's been nothing definitive and i mean nothing now i spoke about the monday morning conversation being a guy named tom reed you might not know who tom reed is If you are a follower of DKPittsburghSports.com in the last 18 months, you know who Tom Reed is. Tom Reed was their long-form investigative journalist. He was the one that would do the deep dives, and and he wrote some fantastic articles. My time at that website overlapped with Tom's probably for only about a month, and he was a great guy. He's no longer with the website, and he was the one that wrote an unbelievable article about Stefan Tuet, the situation with his brother, being involved in a hit and run in Georgia. He spoke with the police officers, the detectives. And so when I saw Tom, I said he just popped up on my Twitter feed one day. I said, shoot, I should get him on to talk about what he found out about Stefan Tewitt. I should get him on here to talk about Tuit and really what this young man has gone through. Sent him a message. He goes, yeah, I'd love to be on your show. So I interviewed him. And you're going to hear that as a part of the Monday morning conversation. Some really good, detailed information about, uh, to, to be honest with you, and I'm someone that you've, you've heard me, if you listen to my podcast, I've, you heard me say, you know, it's time for Tua to give us some type of definitive answer. After you listen to Tom and, and you hear about all the details of this accident and in this tragedy, well, you kind of understand where the Steelers are coming from when they say, hey, you got to take care of yourself first. But, and you're going to hear all about that in the second half. But in terms of this this loose end, as I said, there's been nothing definitive. And while it's highly unlikely that the Steelers, the fan base, is going to get anything definitive prior to the draft on Thursday, I do think how the team handles the draft will be telling as to how they're handling the Stephon Tuitt situation. And we might be sitting there thinking, well, what do you mean, Jeff? Like, What, is it, what are you talking about? If they go defensive line early... Whether it's day one or day two, doesn't matter. If they go defensive line early, then they're basically saying, if we get to it back, that's fantastic. He's going to be able to help us. But at the same time, we are not going to put ourselves in a situation like we had last year. We're not going to paint ourselves into a corner where we are essentially banking on to it to return. And if he doesn't, we're stuck. That's what they're going to that If that is very telling for me. And so when you think about this situation going into the draft, if they ignore the defensive line, then I sure as heck would hope that they've had some type of definitive answer from it himself, saying, I'll be back. The knee's good, I'm in shape, mentally right, emotionally in a good space, and I'll be back. But if they draft a defensive lineman early, I just think it's the team saying, if he comes back, we know what he can bring. If he doesn't come back, we have a plan in place. The Steelers are smart. I feel like they're going to do the latter of those two. They're not going to put all their eggs in that Stefan Tuit basket and hope and pray for his return. They're going to try and find a replacement. And then if he does return, well, you've got a bolster depth chart and you have a defensive front that could be very formidable. And, I mean, shoot, when you talk about the run defense in last, last season, it could only make it better could only make it better. So like I said, speaking of Stefan Tuitt, it's a great segue into that Monday morning conversation that I had with Tom Reed. He shares some really striking details about the situation and the tragedy down in Georgia. I ask you to just listen, take it all in. We all can be callous to some of this stuff from time to time, but you'll enjoy this. You'll enjoy this. Tom does a good job. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to have Tom Reed on for the Monday Morning Conversation. Stay tuned. Be right back. Right, ride or die crew. It is Monday. It is the second half, which means it is time for the Monday morning conversation. I'm excited for this guest this week. This is a guy named Tom Reed. Now, unless you're a DK Pittsburgh sports fan and someone that follows that website, you might not know Tom uh, necessarily. I worked with Tom briefly when I was with DK Pittsburgh sports. And the reason why I had wanted to have Tom on is that Tom wrote an unbelievable story on the Stefan Tuit situation uh, tragedy, unfortunately, has been all around the Pittsburgh Steelers, probably in the last two years, starting with Tewit. Uh, This past weekend was obviously when the memorial services were held for Dwayne Haskins. And you can talk about that situation down in Florida. But Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time.
1: No, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: So uh, before we get started with the Stefan toit story that you wrote, which was absolutely phenomenal, I want to give you a chance to kind of give your background and, and your um, you know, r- really your whole story or your kind of your synopsis, so to speak, and how you have eventually got to covering the Steelers and Pittsburgh sports teams.
1: Well, I'm now currently a recovering sports writer. I was a sports writer for uh, <laughs> years, uh, worked pretty much all over Ohio, uh, uh, my hometown of Warren, the Akron Beacon Journal, the plane dealer, the Columbus Dispatch, the Athletic. And then uh, at DK Sports for about 18 months there before leaving to take the job. I'm out of the business now uh, at, at, at Denison University, a small college right outside of Columbus, where I live. And uh, working there as a, as a writer for the website and the magazine. So uh, just started. But uh, it was uh, I enjoyed, enjoyed my time uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, my wife is from Irwin, so. I'm uh, pretty familiar with the area you know, spent a lot of time there. So uh, it was a, it was an enjoyable 18 months.
0: So with this Stefan to story, which was a really big story, and I'm pretty sure that was a free read on the website. And a lot of people just really dove in. It was a it was true investigative reporting. What kind of stemmed all this? What, what kind of, obviously the Steelers aspect of things, fans are still clamoring for, What's going on with Stefan to it? Is he going to be back? No one has anything that's definitive, but when you thought about writing this story, what was it that that got you saying like someone needs to look into this a little bit more?
1: Well, I, as we talked off air a little while ago, I, first of all, several years ago, I think it was 2019. I was covering the Browns for the athletic and their lineman at the time, defensive lineman Chris Smith's girlfriend was killed uh, in similar fashion. It was a, it was a, they had pulled off the side of the road on a busy highway in Cleveland uh, they had, a, they had a tire problem and his girlfriend was struck uh, uh, by the vehicle. And then fast forward to, you know, uh, about November of last year, uh, I was my car, which had like 263,000 miles, finally gave out on kind of a winding stretch of, of highway in uh, on Route 70 in West Virginia. Uh, just to, right around the wheeling area. And I had to abandon the vehicle and get out on the passenger side and like pouring rain. And it was one of the things that really when I when I was looking for stories about a week or two later, I had remembered the Stefan to story. And I was like, gosh, I, you know, you know, not to, you know, obviously I was OK and everything, but it just made me think about the whole story again. And I thought, well, let's look into, let's try to do some, and you know, look into where they are with this. And unfortunately, for the family and for the you know his friends and fans, it's nowhere. It's it's one of these kitten uh, runs, uh, unless there is some kind of I someone that can identify a license plate or have a really good look at the make of the car. These things a lot of times get unsolved. It's it really comes down to. Uh, the people either turning themselves in or uh, somebody knowing someone, knowing this person who kind of admitted that they did it. And it was an act, let's, let's be honest. It was an accident. It, 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 there was no foul play involved other than the person did not apparently turned around, came back after he, to its brother was, was, was run over and killed uh, and then left, left the scene. So, the police, the, 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 the person that I talked to, the commander that I talked to, uh, they, they, they seem to think that the person either uh, was drunk or high or something, uh, just driving impaired. Uh, because why else not just stop? Because they, it, it was an accident. And that's the thing that has haunted the family is just the idea of not having any kind of closure to this at this point.
0: Yeah, and, and we talked off air. You talked about your situation in, in Wheeling, which obviously is where I'm from. I know exactly where you were talking about on Interstate 70. It's, it's it's a scary situation. So, what actually was? I remember was there something on top of a vehicle, and that's why his brother pulled over to fasten it. Is that the story of what actually yeah, happened?
1: What happened is the best I can surmise is, is so they're, they're, the the Richard Bartlett the third, that's his brother, is. Uh, Kind of starting a new life in Swansea, got a new job, and they were moving him. They, they were the, the mom, uh, his mom, who was a, a sheriff's deputy at a different department, uh, and a couple other family members were helping him move um, to Swansea. And um, I'm not, not pronouncing that right, but somewhere in Georgia, the story's down in down suburban Atlanta. And uh, yeah, they pulled over to the side of the road. The man, I think, a back just in box spring was or on top of one of the vehicles, and they would come loose. And Bartlett, Richard Bartlett, his brother, the two other cars pulled over in the what you would think of the passenger lane, the 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 passenger side, the berm of the road. And he, Richard Bartlett, pulled into the middle of like a turning lane. This isn't a highway, but it's a very busy road and it's right by the uh, Chattahoochee River. And he turns into a, a turning lane, which would have taken him into the dock. What I can, again, this is not clear, but from what I can best gather is he was probably just walking across the road or had just gotten across the road and was struck by a car. It was 9.30 at night. There were no lights. Uh, there, that The area of, of the stretch of road was very dark. Uh, so there was probably just a real... I would hope a real good chance that the driver never saw him and the, the, you know, the, know beyond the death, it's, it, the mother has talked about just how gruesome it was. And, and the, the, to add to all of the, the, just the, the horrible feelings. Again, she was a sheriff's deputy. I think she kind of like in that moment when the car turns around and comes back, that she did not go into her police training and maybe try to get a little bit better of a positive ID. I would think she's talking about the license plate there. If somebody could have gotten the license plate, then they would have had a, you know, a chance. But I mean, your, your son is lying there dying. And, uh, you know, that you can certainly understand how you would not, you know, in that moment, be worried about something more than a license plate.
0: So the car hits him, obviously it's a fatal accident. They come back but then they leave and it still remains unresolved, correct?
1: Correct. As the last I you know, we did the story, I think,
0: last month and, and I just, you know, before we, we started
1: the podcast, I checked to see and I, I there's been no, you know, there, there's been no movement and boy, you just, once you get this deep, one of the reasons that, that uh, Dayon agreed to run the story, no, no, obviously, it's a pay site, but we talked about it and we just thought that you know, this is this is one of those chances. Maybe, just maybe, someone sees this, and it sparks a memory, or someone gives it to another person, and there, finally, somebody has seen something. The the, the 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 concern or the the thought being there was that anyone this the car was damaged from hitting the person. Uh, that maybe someone that, an auto body shop might yeah. have remembered it or, or maybe wasn't familiar with the story at the time but seeing it months later and now that it's it's, it's accessible on the website all this information they might uh you know remember something and call the police I and mean, the police had all kind of leads they dedicated a, a detective and the, one of the interesting things about this is usually when you see a number at the bottom of a story it's a it's a it's a you know it's an office phone. You're going to get a voicemail. This is the detective's cell phone. I mean, they've chased leads into Florida and
0: just have,
1: but have never been able to make an arrest for it.
0: That's horrible. So let's, and I just, I cannot imagine as a father, uh, seeing that happen to your child and, and not be able to have any type of closure, but still. So let's talk about Stefan to it. So you continue to dig. Stephon Tewitt, uh we know that he never played in 2021, and we do know that this impacted him in a really, really drastic way. What did you kind of find out about how this impacted the Steelers' defensive linemen?
1: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, if you um, – you know, it's, it's – it's, you – one of the things that, that Stephon Tewitt was about to do right before his brother's death was name uh, – Stephon Tewitt had just had a new child. And, uh, I think it was Gwendolyn and, uh, he was just about ready to ask Richard to be the godfather of the child. And so, you know, it's a tight family. I think the mom, it was the mom and the kids for the most part. Uh, and I, I just think that he emotionally wasn't ready to play football. And, you know, I think it does speak to the changing of kind of a sea change in how we look at mental health. Over the last few years, you think of uh, you know, uh, t- some tennis players, uh, uh, Simone Biles, the Olympic gymnast, gymnastic uh, gymnast, and, and Kevin Love, who's been really uh, kind of instrumental. The basketball player in the Cavaliers has been instrumental in kind of bringing mental health uh, to the fore, and 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 sometimes it, you know it's okay that sometimes you have to step away from something to get away from it. That, you know, that was not the case even five, 10 years ago. And I think that the Steelers just allowed him to kind of, you know, he was dealing with an injury. It sounds as though he was uh, overweight. He just wasn't ready to play. He basically wasn't ready to play after coming off a career year. So I think the Steelers decided to let's just give him his space and uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. And again, we won't know until uh, organized team activities start, but it, it sounds as though he might be trending toward coming back. And we'll, we'll see where, where, where that is. But I think, again, if this is something that happens five or ten years ago, there would have been pressure for him to come back. Yeah. And I think we're in a, in a place now in sports and society where 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 employers and uh, even sports teams are uh, being a little bit more conscious of of the the mental health aspect of athletes.
0: Did you get anything from the Steelers organization or even hear any rumblings about the situation in regards to you know, last season, or maybe when you were doing the report of, of what happened and, and did, did you get anything from them? I'm sure that the organization themselves said, we've not going to, we're not going to give any comment, but still, we're, did you hear anything behind closed doors?
1: No, I no, I did not. I just, uh, again, I, I, I know that there were some fans that were, were upset that he, you know, that if it was a knee injury that he should have been able to play at some point, uh, I I do I don't I don't know that and the the impact was clear right I mean the, yeah the Steelers were were not very good at stopping the run last year um, and he was a huge <laughs> loss for a team that lost several other players uh, at the beginning of the year so um, no I did not and and you know they they probably, every everyone saw the public point of it that just that. You know what are you gonna you know what are you gonna do here? They're just gonna give him his space and 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 respect his his privacy. Uh, so uh, I think he has one more year on his contract. We'll see. We'll see again if he if he comes back or what the Steelers decide to do. Some of it may be uh, also will if you know what they do in the draft.
0: Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. This brings up a unique dynamic uh, based on the fact – I've obviously, with the podcast and, and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, being a fan-driven website, and a lot of fans visit that website, and it's all Steelers all the time. And you, you get this gist from people uh, that, that say, you know, look, I, I'm all about being sympathetic. I'm all about understanding mental health. But at the same time, they always, they'll come back with, you know, I get three days of bereavement leave, and I got to go back to work. And that's a really yeah. – Interesting. I want to say it's kind of, it sounds really awful when you say it out loud, but you know, here's a guy that is been taken off. He took off all 2021, whether it was, you know, the mental health aspect, the emotional aspect, trying to get himself back, right. The physical aspects. Um, I know I had Christopher Carter on who said that he was told that he was supposed to have some type of procedure done on his knee and that got pushed back because of the death of his brother. Therefore, that impacted the whole timeline for a season. You mentioned that he was probably a little overweight, not in game shape. It all makes sense. It, it's a really tough it, – it's kind of – for a lot of fans out there, it is really difficult for them to kind of wrap their head around, yes, this was tragic. Yes, this was really, really heartbreaking. But at some point, how do you how do you navigate these waters with the Steelers as an organization – trying to move forward. And you bring up a good point with the NFL draft. And and a lot of fans were saying like, Hey, like don't the Steelers need something definitive here. And again, when you talk about the logistics and the reality of what happened in Georgia and how horrific that had to be for the family talking about football seems like it's so, so minuscule, it's unbelievable. But at the same time, I also understand the fans perspective I guess I just want to kind of get your thoughts. This is your own personal opinion. This is not in any way, shape, or form related to the Steelers or the family. When you think about this, don't you think that the Steelers probably should be able to get some type of answer at some point? Because like you said, he has one year left on his deal. I doubt they want to pay him for an entire season again and not get any production. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, part of it may be simply they're going to wait and see what, you know, they're maybe assuming he's going to come back, but they want to see what kind of shape he's in right? I mean, that see it's hard to come kind of, if from the Steelers standpoint, if they're going to come out and say Stephen Tuitt is going to be our guy this year, you know, we're, we're, you know, in good shape here, he's going to be back, but he's not, he's, he's just still not ready to play. They won't know that I don't think until they get him on the field, back with the team, uh, make sure he's, his injuries are, are healed, make sure he's in good shape. I just don't, I think they're in some ways, they have to take a, a wait and see mentality. Uh, now, some of that again can be addressed in the draft, yeah. uh, but we'll wait and see. We'll, you know, I, I, I do think there's still a lot of, uh, you know, we're just going to have they're going to have to wait and see uh, how he comes back. Uh, and you know, again, maybe once he gets out there, he's still not mentally right to play. But you know, it, it, if you just if you take the Steelers at their word, Kevin Colbert, it, 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 they have sound, made it sound a little bit more encouraging, but I still think they're going to want to see it for themselves, at least in practices and stuff like that, and going th- almost having to go through training camp. Um, so uh, I, think it's, I think fans are just going to have to wait there.
0: Yeah. And that's the toughest part. Um, and for the fan base is they want an answer. We all want an answer. It's like you said, it's probably just not, it's not going to come. I do think the NFL draft coming up this Thursday is going to be, well, starting on Thursday will be very indicative of how they feel moving forward. Because let's remember, like you said, he only has one year left on his contract. So looking for a replacement, if you are not sure about him, well, that would make sense. And if they go early in the draft with the defensive lineman, um, you could obviously see where maybe things are trending, but Tom, I want to thank you for your time. I want to give you a chance to plug what you're doing now. You had mentioned that you're working with uh, the college and you're writing there, but also where they can find you on Twitter and all that good stuff.
1: Oh, uh, T read 1919, I believe, but that's, uh, it's been a while since I've uh, <laughs> had to put that on the air. Yeah. I work at a, 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 a small college outside of Columbus now, Denison university. It's a 25 minute drive instead of a three, three hour drive. So uh, that's all good. Uh, yeah. I'm a writer there. And, uh, just, uh, have been doing it for a week outside of sports writing. So it's all, it's all a new chapter in the life.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. And, uh, we appreciate your time as always.
1: All right. Thank you very much.
0: Uh-huh. Take it easy. As I always do a big thank you to my guest on my Monday morning conversation in this case, Mr. Tom Reed for taking the time out of his busy schedule to spend some time with us talking about and shedding some light on this Stefan to a tragedy It is a tragedy, and everyone handles tragedy differently, and you learn that. And while we all want to sit there and hope and pray that Tuit comes back and is a good member of the Steelers, we got to understand sometimes it takes patience. The Steelers are probably doing this the right way, even though we might not like it. I hope you got something out of that. I know I sure did. I'm going to be back on Wednesday. Another usual podcast for me. We're on the mailbag in the second half. I'm sure a lot of you will have questions about the draft coming up on Thursday. So make sure you follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. On Tuesday, look out for that tweet. I'll be putting it out there typically around noon or so. Fire away. I'll answer every single question. My ride-or-die crew is the absolute best. All right, folks, that does it for me. You know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. The great start to your week. I will see you on Wednesday. My candles burning bright. I sleep three to four hours every night. My sleeping coffee burning all the morning light. My switches limited on.